Hey everyone, Simon here. We had an in-person church this week. So I'm recording a special podcast-only version of the sermon. And if you are new or just checking out our podcast, check our website or Instagram, Facebook to find out more about Everyone Church. We're a new church plant that is on the up and up. We're having a great time. New people all the time, and we are excited about the future. So check it out. Hope you can be part of the journey with us. So we're starting a new series today, and I would like to call it Untangled. Untangled. Now, it's springtime, and the annual battle between me and the clovers in my lawn has begun, which uh, I'm hoping I'll get rid of them before the winter. But every time I deal with weeds in my lawn, it always makes me think about the parable of the sower. Parable of the sower. And this this parable of Jesus shows up in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And for those who don't know it, Jesus tells a metaphoric story about a farmer who sows seed that lands on four different types of ground. The first is a footpath, which is trampled and eaten by birds, and the seed doesn't grow. It just sits there on the footpath and and disappears. Uh, The second is rocky soil, where the seed lands, and because the soil's rocky, it doesn't get deep roots, and it doesn't grow. Uh, It it dies. The third is uh, a seed that lands on good soil, but there's thorns and weeds around. And as it grows, the thorns and weeds strangle out the plant, and it doesn't grow. And then the fourth is good soil, where the, the plant produces a crop. 30, 60, 100 times what was originally planted. And Jesus tells this story, and of course the disciples ask, well, what does this mean? Which is a common question that they would ask often. And Jesus explains this, and let's read from the account in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18 to 23. It says this, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds, Jesus says. And in verse 19, he goes on, The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. And then in verse 20, he explains the second seed. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. And in verse 22, he explains the third seed. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Then the last seed in verse 23, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. So there's four types of soil, the the footpath, the rocky soil, the good soil with weeds and thorns, and then the good soil that produces fruit. It's a cool story. And a couple things to note here. The seed is representative of God's word or the gospel. That's the seed. The soil is representative of our hearts, uh, the hearts of people, your heart, my heart. And the goal is fruitfulness. And we see that in that fourth seed. The goal is fruitfulness. And I think this is important to note because we all have so many different versions of success in the world today, but God has his own version of success for your life and my life. And it's called fruitfulness, Christ-likeness, spiritual maturity, and reproducing yourself, meaning 
that the gospel in you is being shared with others. There's like a multiplication effect. Uh, And of those four different types of soil, only one of them produces fruit. So which soil best represents you today? I'm sure there could be a sermon all in itself. Are you the footpath, the rocky soil, the weeds, or the good soil? And I hope we all want to be the good soil, right? And, and you know, I, I, Maria and I have recently, because we're prepping for our third child, a little girl, which is fantastic and exciting. It's coming in January. But we move the boys, Roger and Elliot, into their own room together. We put them on a bunk bed. It's exciting. They're super pumped about it. Uh, but with that, it means Maria and I, we can take shifts for bedtime. So she takes one night, I take one night. And when Maria puts the boys to bed, I've been going for a walk at night. Um, and I, I enjoy it. It's nice and cool out. The stars are out. And uh, I can listen to a book, have some time of prayer, all sorts of stuff. And I was walking the other night, and I saw this lawn. And This lawn was actually, it was two houses next to each other, and and they kind of shared a lawn that that met. And one side of the lawn that belonged to one house was just covered in clovers. Like, I'm talking like Clover City, just a jungle. And then the neighbor's lawn, which was just like this perfect, pristine grass with not one clover at all. And there was nothing dividing the two lawns. They would meet. And it's like you you could just draw a line right down the property line with crazy clovers on one side and just perfect grass on the other. And as I was walking and I was praying and thinking, uh, the Lord really, this is how the this whole series came about. The Lord really put on my heart the, the, the thought of the parable of the sower and that third seed that is strangled by weeds and thorns. And I can't help but think about how that's many of us sometimes, many believers in the world today, and even myself and yourself, you could probably relate to, um, we can sometimes be tangled, tangled. And let's just take a moment to read about this tangled seed that Jesus talks about. We just read in Matthew 13, 22, it says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Now let's read it from the Gospel of Mark, because it's mentioned there too in chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Jesus says, The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And lastly, from Luke in chapter 8, verse 14, Jesus says, The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. So Jesus is describing many believers today. Uh, It's not just applicable 2,000 years ago. It's applicable today. Who Many believers who are tangled by the worries of life, Trapped by the temptation of wealth, crowded by the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. Just like those two lawns that I saw on my walk the other night. One lawn covered in clovers, one lawn not. And when I was thinking and seeing these lawns, I couldn't help but think about how both these homeowners, they're they're in the same situation. Like literally, they're both dealing with the same climate. I mean, there's literally nothing dividing the two lawns. But only one is weed-free, right? And I was thinking about calling the series Weed-Free, but I thought people would think we're talking about marijuana, but we're not. We're talking about weeds, okay? Not weed, 
weeds. So both have potential to flourish, but only one is untangled. And I have seen this in my life and in the life of others too, where a lack of maintenance and boundary and order and godly priority leads to the things of God being choked out of our lives, leads to the Word of God being choked out of our life, the priorities of God being pressed and squeezed out of our thought life, out of our day-to-day, out of our finances, out of our family. And Jesus says of those people, of that seed, that they never grow into maturity, that no fruit is produced, he says. And I want to be a fruitful Christian. I want to live a fruitful life for God. I, I'm, I hope you do too. I want to live untangled. I want to live weed free. And like, how is your life with God doing today, wherever you're listening to this podcast? Are, are you fruitful or fruitless? Are you filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit or the worries of life and the worries of the world? Are you pursuing God or the pleasures of this life? And it's interesting that all these accounts, they say the same thing. Uh, in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this phrase, it says, the seed is planted, but all too quickly the seed is crowded. And let me tell you, it can happen fast, just like those clovers in my front lawn that I'm always, it's like chemical warfare between me and the clovers at the moment, but I've seen it. I've seen it many times in my life and in others' lives too, where where someone is passionate about God, they, they love the things of God, and, and they're, they're on fire for God, and then all too quickly... The things of God aren't even evident in their life anymore. It's just all work and kids and sports and financial commitments and trauma and anxiety and worry. And what once was a growing seed full of potential soon becomes a smothered shell of what God had originally intended. And what once was something ready for growth is now just settling for shoots instead of fruits. Oh, I went to church this week, man. I went to church. Yeah, glory to God. Uh, uh, I dropped 10 bucks in the missions offering. Now listen, that's not fruit. That's just a little shoot of growth. And, you know, Maria and I, we planted a mandarin tree in our our yard uh, a couple of years back, you know, and it has these little shoots of growth, which really excite us because it's a new tree. But after a while, it's not going to excite us anymore because we want fruit. We want mandarins from that tree, right? And and, and we've seen many people like this who once had a potential for harvest are now just choked up consumer Christians, settling for small and futile instead of growing tall and fertile, tangled in cynicism and bitterness where conversations have become consumed with whispers. Oh, oh, have you heard about that? Gossip instead of wonders and how amazing God is. Where their life is just drama. Oh, and oh, have you heard about that pastor? And oh, did you hear that podcast? And instead of focusing on deity and God and the wonders of God. And come on, listen, I want to live untangled. And if I have one life to live, I want my life to be filled with the fruit of a life lived for God. Don't you? So let's go there. We're going to embark on a bit of a weed and feed over the next number of weeks in this Untangled series. Like, what do you think of when you think of weeds that choke out the things of God in your life? And I know our mind can quickly go to the obvious exterior things like distractions and social media and all this kind of stuff. But here's the thing, and this is the big focus for this first week, and that is 
seeds don't grow from the outside in. They grow from the inside out. And they take to the soil they are planted in. And this is, the, is one of the things that Jesus is saying in this parable, is that we have to look after the state of the soil in our hearts, in our lives. So I want to kick off this series by quickly focusing on what is happening in you and around you. I want to start with something so simple, yet I believe so life-changing. And like when I think of weeds and thorns, I think of chaos, seeds of chaos. I want to talk about chaos today. You know, across the street from our house, we have a um, kind of like a nature reserve. It's it, There's like a dam and anybody who's been to our house has seen it, but it, it's, it's really nice. It's cool. But the, but there is like crazy weeds Like and, and the council comes through and they clean them out. It doesn't matter how much they spray them, cut them down. It's only a matter of time before there, it's just like a weed jungle, just just chaos everywhere. And those kind of weeds that like stick to your pants and all that kind of stuff, if you're walking near them, now this is the thing, is it's not just, you know, cutting down the weeds. There's something in the soil that keeps the weeds coming back, right? And I believe God would want to make you fruitful. I believe many of us want to be fruitful for God, but fruitfulness starts in the soil of my life the soil of my heart. And often we don't see maturity and fruitfulness in our lives because we have allowed the wrong seed to live in our soil. Now, I know I'm being heavily metaphoric here, but please stick with me. And, and one of those seeds is the seed of chaos. Chaos. You know, when we look around the world today, we see so much chaos, so much confusion. There's just a lack of order in the world and in how the world does life. And we can't begin as the people of God to address the chaos in the world around us without starting first by addressing the chaos in our own lives, in our own soil. I mean, we can't preach God priorities and not have God priorities in our life, our own life. We can't preach God order for others and not have God order in our lives. We can't rescue people out of chaos if we are in chaos ourselves. Let me unpack this a bit so I don't lose you here. I, I want you to notice something about the character of our God. Our God is a God who brings order where there is chaos. This is the nature of our God. He steps into nothing and makes something. He steps into chaos and brings peace. He steps into confusion and brings order. He steps in the messes and makes them clean. You know, a cool example of this is, and it might be a small thing, but I think it's really interesting. In in John chapter 20, verse 6 and 7, um, there's this little nuance kind of observation uh, recorded about Jesus after he rose from the dead. Um, so he Jesus rises from the dead, and Peter uh, comes, and he walks into the tomb. And it says that he finds Jesus' head covering folded up uh, with all of his grave clothes. Isn't that an interesting observation that after Jesus rose from the dead, he took the time to fold up his head covering? Like, are you, do you make your bed in the morning? Are you one of those people that's like, or do you just like throw off your covers? And you're like, I'll see you later. Uh, I'm out of here. Well, well, it's interesting to me that how, how Jesus folded his head covering. I would have never have done that personally. I would have been like, man, 
I'm out of this. I would have risen from the dead, thrown my grave clothes off. I'm out of here, man. I'm see you later. But Jesus actually took the time and folded his head covering. Or even um, when when Jesus fed five thousand, he didn't just throw food around like that's what I would have done. I've thrown fish, bread everywhere. No, no, no. He 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 took the time to organize people in groups of a hundred, fifty, ten, and he brought order. Our God is a God of order. And what I've noticed about our adversary Satan and in the world and the weeds that can easily choke us up is they are the complete opposite. Satan is all about confusion. He distorts reality. He perverts purity. He pollutes perfection. He likes to twist and distort God's word and design. And our God likes to fix, redeem, and clean. So if we are to live untangled, We must adopt the wisdom of godly order in our lives because that's the way God does things with order in your schedule, in your finances, in your day-to-day lives. And I just see so many people in the world today living in chaos and disorder. Everything's a mess and God is not a God of chaos and disorder. And you were designed to be like him. It says in 1 Corinthians 14.33, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And that's what order brings into our lives, peace. Now, I'm not talking about like the soldiers that we just had the Queen's funeral. I'm not talking about the soldiers, you know, rigged and immovable and orderly. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a sense of order in my life, a sense of priority, not uh, pedantic dog paddling through life, like like not not never keeping up, uh, you know, drowned in worry. No, no, we uh, we aren't to live the way the world does. We are called to be different. Now, I want you to think about your life, your house even, your car, your desk at work, your, I'm sitting at a desk right now recording this podcast, your, your, your bedroom, your garage. I want you to think about these things and be filled with hope that your life can be orderly, beautiful, and peaceful. Because that's what God does. That's what godly order brings into our life, beauty and peace. Sometimes we can think, oh, if I just had more room or more money or a landscape guy who came and mowed my lawn for me, then everything would be sorted. But if we are faithful with the little things God gives us, we can be faithful with much more. And so let's quickly turn to Genesis chapter 1 and look at the creation story, story because I, I, I see in the creation story uh, some biblical principles of godly order that we can apply in our lives. And I hope that You can take these and apply them into the soil of your life. You know, when God created the earth, he started with not just day one, but really day zero. In Genesis 1-2, it says that the earth was formless. This is before God did anything. And that word formless uh, literally means it was chaos. It was just chaotic. So God didn't just look at chaos and formlessness and, and just go, oh, what a mess. No, he had vision. And this is what I want to start with. Day zero, before anything, we've got to have vision for our chaos. God had a dream of what could be. He had a vision. And day zero is all about having a vision for my chaos. What do you see when you see the chaos in your life? You need to have a vision for what something could be. And then it quickly turns to day one in Genesis 1-3. Then God said, let there be light, it says. And and I love that God starts with turning the lights on because I believe 
you know, the, the first step to getting out of chaos is actually action. It's, it's doing something about it. You know, God didn't just stay in day zero dreaming, oh, this is going to be fantastic. Oh, what, what this could be. No, he did something. He said, let there be light. Do you have like a, a room in your house where there's just all the junk and you know, <laughs> you keep the door closed? We, we have that right now. It's our baby's room. It's like, it's filled with clothes and 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 you know new baby bouncers pink stuff you know because it's and it's like hey don't look in that room because that room is filled with junk right now and god didn't just leave the chaos no he, he didn't just stay dreaming he did something he turned the lights on and i believe that day one speaks to action turning the lights on being honest uh, bringing things into the light you know day zero is about having a vision for my chaos day one it's about action, turning the lights on. And then day two of creation, it says this in verse four of Genesis one, and God saw the light was good. And then he separated the light from the darkness. And it's interesting that godly order creates separation. And God, he takes two things and he splits them. And, you know, it's interesting. Jesus continues his pattern. He talks about how on judgment day, he will separate the goat's from the sheep, and he'll separate the wheat from the chaff. You know, God is into sorting things out. And if you want to bring order into your life, godly order, you've got to be able to separate one thing from another. You can't just keep everything going all at once. You got to take what is bad and throw it out and take what is good and embrace it. I mean, what in your life has just got to go? In your budget, in your time, uh, in your priorities, what has got to stay and be lifted up and, 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 and put in the right place, put in the right order, so to speak. So day zero, it's about having a vision for your chaos. Day one is about action, turning the lights on. And day two is about separation. And what does God do on day three? Well, it says that in verse 11 of Genesis 1, it says that then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. And I think this is my observation of this is knowing just the principle of planting and harvest. Know this about God's way of order. If you want order in your world, you need to plant good seed. You need to plant good. Think about if you're in a relationship at work or in your family that's just filled with chaos. Well, begin to plant seed. Send a gift. Speak a nice word. Pray. Plant seeds of prayer. You know, James chapter 3, verse 18, it says, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. You reap what you sow. And if you want to reap peaceful order in your life, start sowing seed. But then quickly, let's move to day four. God builds, it says in, in verse 14 of, of Genesis 1, it says that, God said, let light appear in the sky and separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Now, this is, uh, as I observe this, it's like God creates this system of seasons that sustains the seed that he has planted. Now, you think about it. The earth spins at 460 meters a second, and it's traveling through space at 40 kilometers per second. But God isn't just there like like a basketball player spinning the earth on his finger. No, no. He's created a a system, a a, a creative 
env- environment that manages itself. And I think this is a, an important principle. The, the power in creating a system in your life that sustains the seed you have planted. Don't just fix the problem. Create a system. Like For example, your schedule. You create a system that sustains the seed you're sowing. For example, you want to sow seeds of prayer. Well, create a prayer system, a prayer time, have a prayer list. Those things that can help you sustain the seeds you are sowing. Or you want to plant the seeds of romance in your marriage. Have a date night. Have a system in place. You want to plant seeds of health in your life. Have walk time, gym time, exercise time. Create a system. There is power in creating a system. And systems create sustainability. Isn't this good? Come on. So day zero is about having a vision for my chaos. Day one is about action, turning the lights on. Day two is about separation. Day three is about planting seeds, planting seeds in my life. And day four is about building a system to, to sustain those seeds. Lots of S's. And day five, it says in verse 22 and 23 of Genesis that it talks about how God fills the sky with birds and he fills the, the oceans with fish. And I, I think what we can draw out of this is that here he got, God creates this, this order, this, these seeds and this system, and then he starts to just inject beautiful things, birds and color. And, you know, and, and we can, you know, uh, sometimes interpret order and systems and these type of, of, of words as like they lack creativity and they lack beauty. But I think it's the opposite. Doing life God's way and with godly order creates creativity, creates beauty. There is beauty in order. There is beauty in order. You think, I'm bringing up the Queen's funeral again because it's such a huge historic thing. So many people, they, they look at all, everything is just pristine and wow, it's so beautiful because order is, is, is beautiful, right? And there's something about it that reflects God's nature. Now, I'm not advocating for being a neat freak, okay? Let's just calm down. You're thinking, oh, no, gosh, I'm going to have to... I'm not talking about being OCD. No, no, I'm just talking about having godly order in your life. If there's things in your life that are chaotic, come on, bring some order to it. Let's get rid of those weeds. So day zero is about having a vision for my chaos. Day one is about action, turning the lights on. Day two, separation. Day three is about planting seeds. Day four is about building a system to sustain it. Day five is about creating beauty. And day six, it says that God creates man. He says in verse 26 of Genesis 1, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And it says they will reign over, and he says the, the birds of the air, etc., etc. Now, he creates all this stuff, systems, beauty, and then he puts a man in charge of it. And I believe the principle we can pull out of this is stewardship. You know, order requires stewardship. Things don't just stay in order naturally. Um, We need to build a culture of stewardship in our lives. You think about your budget, for example. Uh, it's, It's more about stewardship of what God has given you than anything else. You know, stewardship knows that, hey, everything I have in my life belongs to God. And I need to steward that well and faithfully for God's glory. Uh, you know, and have relationships in your life with people who can partner with you to help you steward stuff. You know, accountants are your friend. There's apps on your phone that can be helpful for you to help you steward things well and organize things well. And then day seven, we all know God rests. And I believe 
as the people of God, we should be able to go into chaotic environments and create order. We need to have a vision. We need to take action. We need to learn to separate stuff. And we need to plant good seed, godly seed. We need to build systems that sustain that seed. And we create beautiful things. Hey, if you're a creative person, you're a songwriter, you're a man, build, plant seed, build systems that helps you create beautiful things. And we need to cultivate stewardship in our lives and then rest in it. And I believe that's the result of godly order is restful peace, restful peace, knowing, hey, we all have had that experience, that feeling of, you know, you clean your room, you clean your, you mow the lawn and then you sit down and you go, yes, it is good. <laughs> it's, it's for now, the grass is cut, right? And, and look, that is the fruits of order in our lives. Let's rise above the chaos. You know, the world would say, be chaos, oh, man, be panicked, be, oh, no, 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 let's have godly order in our lives. And you know, our goal is to have an orderly life and church. You know, I think about our church. We hope and pray that people walk into our church and know that our church is a place of order. We're not talking about rules like ordering people around. No, no, we're talking about a place that is safe, that you know, hey, when, when people come to everyone church and they send their kids to kids church, that that is in an orderly place, a safe place. We, we don't, we don't want to see just a, a mess you know, I'm all for messy church too. Don't get me wrong. Hey, you know, things are never going to be perfect, but we want to have a sense of godly order and peace about what we're doing. So what do you see when you see your life right now? Are you tangled in chaos? Well, don't see a mess. See God potential. And you might look at your schedule, your work, your, your finances and think, man, this thing is just a mess. It's tangled up. I feel like it's this is choking out the things of God in my life. Well, I believe God sees potential in you. And He is creating something in and through you. He wants to do great things through you for His glory. Come on, let me pray for you today. Lord, I thank you for every person in every one church, every person listening to this podcast today. And I pray that we would have such a sense of godly order and that you would help us create beauty out of that. That it would bring you glory, that it would please you, every element of our lives. We pray for situations that are chaotic right now in our relationships, in our work, in our finances. I pray that there'd be order, godly order. Help us take the steps, Lord, to, 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 to separate things, to plant seed, to create systems. Lord, I pray that you would help us step by step in that and that we would be able to rest in peace and order that you have put in our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. And you know, the biggest thing that God fixes in our life is the mess of our sin. Isn't that amazing that God takes my sin? And maybe you're not a Christian today or you've been haven't been following God. I want to encourage you to accept Christ into your heart. And if you want to know more about that, head to our website. Uh, let us know. Connect with us. Send us a message on Instagram or Facebook. We would love to help you on the journey of getting to know God. Okay. And that is an amazing journey of God doing something awesome and saving and redeeming us. Amen. So, hey, hope the word encouraged you this week. Bit of a meteor, longer sermon, but I hope that you can take these principles and apply them to your life. Come on, let's get untangled. And we hope to see you online over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and we will look forward to our next in-person gathering in a few weeks. Have a blessed week. Amen.